0: Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Whether you're buying a gift for your sugar baby or just for yourself, you can get 50% off at adamandeve.com when you enter the code CANDY at checkout.
1: And that's not all. Adam and Eve will include 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item all partners can enjoy, Plus, you will receive 6 free spicy movies.
0: But the best part is the free shipping.
1: You can get all of this at arimoneyof.com using code CANDY
0: at checkout. That's C A N D Y.
1: So Shelby, what are you getting me? I just want me I
2: love for you. Baby, I just want me I love for you.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm your co-host, Emily. Today we are talking to Madam Skin Diamond. So excited to do this interview. Do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Madam Skin. I have been an adult performer for, for a few years. <laughs> but now I also do music. I, also, I write and perform songs. And I also work as a dominatrix.
0: So I have so many questions for you, but I really want to start off with how you came up with your name.
2: Well, that's, that's definitely a common question. So (laughs) it was honestly, kind. it's it's a long winded story, but long story short, I was in a play, one of the nickname, character nickname was Skin. And at the time I was really into suicide girls and I wanted to be a suicide girl. So I was like, Skin Suicide sounds cool. I ended up not being a suicide girl. And I did other stuff instead, but I kept the skin name. And then years later, when I had a Twitter, my name was Skin Diamonds because skin was taken and it was going to be either that or skin disease. I don't know. Why. I was a little weird, young <laughs> And then when I started doing porn, I was kind of like, oh, well, skin diamond will be my porn name. That sounds like a porn name. So but I didn't think I was going to be like, doing porn full time. I was just kind of doing it for fun. And, and then I just stuck. And I get, it works. So there you go.
0: <laughs> so with your music career, and you mentioned earlier that you were in a play, it sounds like you've always been a performer.
2: Yeah. I, well, I come from a background. My dad is an actor and he's, he, he was a singer performer. He was also a missionary. So all of that kind of got melded into one thing. Like they, they would do like skits and stuff about God and make it fun. Like they had a Sunday night live. It was like a take on Saturday night live. and You know, but he also like produ- like did a bunch of albums and then he did children's stuff. So children's TV. So Yeah, I've just always been around theater. And I studied acting and performance in college. And at the time, I wanted to be a stage actress. But then I wanted to have tattoos. So I kind of decided to go into modeling instead, (laughs) which I never thought I would model. But it was it was been really fun.
0: (laughs) Do you feel like there's an aspect of your love of performing that goes into being a dominatrix?
2: Yes and no. I'm definitely an exhibitionist and I like to dress up and I like to command a room, I guess. So it just kind of made sense. You know, I I used to see myself more submissive, especially when I first got into the fetish scene when I was like 18, 19. I started going to fetish clubs and I, I was drawn to both sides, but I always felt more comfortable being submissive, I guess, because being submissive, you can kind of be led into the situations. And that was how I learned a lot. And the BDSM world was starting from the bottom. But then being a a submissive made me realize that I'm not that submissive. (laughs) Like I'm very, you know, like in my day to day life, I definitely like to be the boss and, you know, commands things. But Yeah, there's definitely sides to it. But I wouldn't really say like, like, for me, BDSM is so like intrinsic to who I am as a person. So like, it's, it's, it's fun to perform. But it's, it's definitely a little bit closer to home, if that makes sense, than just like acting or, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we talked to Mistress Helena Locke a little bit about her perspective on healing work and DOM work and how they go hand in hand, but I would love to hear your take on it as well. Well, for me,
2: sexual healing is so... I love Helena, by the way. Sexual healing for me is so important. I think that a lot of issues that people develop over time, a lot of it is sex related, you know, or lack or feeling, you know, shunned because of their sexuality or whatever it is. But I think that, you know, it's also working with your roots, you know, your root chakras, you're like, if, if things at the foundation isn't right, then everything gets messed up. So, and I've personally gone through sexual blocks and having to heal and I find that BDSM is always what does it.
1: First of all, I love Mistress Slug. She said that she would gag me and put me into a corner, and I have just never been so enamored in my entire life and flattered, weirdly. Second, I'd really like to kind of hear more about how specifically BDSM can help work through sexual blocks.
2: It all always depends on what the blocks they're stemming from, of course. But I think that, especially if you're in a submissive role, feeling that sense of being guided through something kind of allows you to let go. At least with me, when I was doing my, my slave training on the upper floor at kink.com and stuff, that process of being led into something and maybe experiencing things that are sense, body sensations, doesn't even have to be sexual sensations. Feeling all of those different sensations allows you to open up. For example, I can squirt, but for some reason, I can usually only squirt if I'm tied up in bondage and there's a shit ton of stuff going on because that's the only way brain can let go enough to just be like, okay, I'm doing it. (laughs) But because it's so tuned to each person, the only way to kind of really, really do it is to just play. And like the things that you naturally lean towards are usually your your gut instinct knows what it needs, even if it can't really communicate it. So sometimes during play, you can have these crazy experiences that wasn't planned. Maybe it unlocked something. And that's why I love... And BDSM really is playtime for grownups. I've said it for years. Like, it's like, that's where we continue learning, like you start off as a kid and you're playing with toys and then you move on to to whips and things and and it becomes more of a mind game. And
0: yeah. Yeah. So speaking of your childhood, it sounds like you grew up at some point at least in a very Christian household. So how do you feel like that has translated into your life now? And like are you still do you still identify as Christian or is that something that you've left behind?
2: I was definitely raised in a very Christian. I mean, my, my parents were missionaries, so we grew up in Scotland. And I I mean, I'm still very spiritual. I, I don't, as a principal thing, I'm not fond of organized religion. I think it causes a lot of issues. But that being said, I do respect everybody's beliefs. And if that's what helps you be a good person, then cool. Just you know, but uh, these days I I, I stem I, I tend to lean towards more old world views, and I I love nature, and that's my church is just being in nature and all of those things. I'm also really into old mythologies, especially like ancient Egyptian, ancient Sumerian. I I don't know. I I love, I just love old things. So I like, I I like to go back.
0: (laughs) I was going to say your makeup almost looks like those like Egyptian hieroglyphics, the way that they did the cat eyeliner.
2: Oh, (laughs) thanks. That's that's probably why I do that.
0: (laughs) Uh, As so... I grew up Catholic and it gave me a very complicated relationship with sex because especially women are discouraged from engaging in sexual activity or even really having any interest in it at all. Is that something that you ever experienced or did you just bypass that and you're like, no, this is my body and I'm going to do what I want with it?
2: Oh, I I totally hear you. I I definitely had a a phase when I first started like experimenting and being bad you know like I had a, a what if I'm wrong <laughs> you know and like mental war is just like it's it's crazy because you're you're conditioned to believe things for so long that trying to like break free can be its own thing but I've, I've always been really drawn to sex being sexual so I was like curious about things from a young age but you know being Christian you're kind of told that that's wrong and I. Definitely, definitely have battled a lot of internal putting myself down and, oh, well, maybe I am just a fucking slut or whatever. But, you know, especially like in my early 20s, porn and the fetish world really, really (laughs) helps because you you meet so many like minded people that are like they're amazing, cool people like a lot of more conservative views. Will say that you can't tap into anything really genuinely good if you're putting yourself into these situations because it's you're sitting and it's evil and whatever. But living and realizing that that is not the case at all, you know, I think is very freeing. I think it's very freeing. And women, women are sexual beings. Like this is why I love Inanna. And if you haven't heard of Inanna, the ancient Sumerian goddess, You're going to fucking love her because she, she was a goddess of love and chaos. She was basically like a dominatrix. A lot of her imagery, she's like got her leg up on a lion and she's got a whip. She was also, she was able to change the sex of, of a person. So a lot of her priests and priestesses would cross-dress. You know, like it was. It is really interesting, but I I love her. Like she's like my role model. You know, just fucking like take charge. Like there's um some of her poetry. She's like resting on a tree and she's just got her crotch out. She's like my wondrous vulva. Look at my vulva. And it's like yeah, yeah, you yeah. Look at it. <laughs> yeah she's fucking badass and i definitely like she's she's my goddess
0: yeah damn i feel empowered just by the way you describe that <laughs> wow this is the og bad bitch is
2: the og she's the first recorded goddess that we know of really because before her it was a, a lot of like nameless kind of entities but sumerians were like she was the queen of civilization
1: On the Wikipedia page, it's goddess of sex, war, justice, political power, queen of heaven. This bitch was in charge of everything. And you know why? This is an
2: interesting story. So she went to visit her uncle and basically got him drunk. And he had all of these, all of the powers, they're called the may or the me. And they're like, this is the power of of free thinking. This is the power of, I have to look it up, but like basically all the powers of everything. And he just gives them to her. And he's like, oh, yes, I'll take them. I'll take them. Thank you. And then he sober's up and realizes that he just gave away all of his powers to her. And she's like, no, no, you, you gave them to me. They're mine. I'm taking them to my, to my city now. And she just like takes it. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Oh, I love her.
1: <laughs> Is this kind of the oldest recording of having gods and goddesses?
2: Pretty much. I mean, I, a lot of the, the gods and deities before then were like there was a woman figures, the big hip, big hip and big boobs figurine that they found throughout history. But they never she never really had a name, but that was something they worship. But the Sumerians, the Anunnaki, Babylon, like that was ba- that was the birth of civilization. And so, yes, these are earliest recorded gods that we know of pretty cool. There's a lot more to it if you like aliens and stuff.
1: (laughs) One thing that we were curious about is you mentioned being a musician. How does your passion for music coincide with your passion for Dom work and healing?
2: I actually do tend to sing in session, (laughs) just to myself, like if a song that I'm on that's playing or whatever, I'll just sing along to it. I like to think that it adds something, but it's not like I'm trying to be the singing dom or anything. I just love to sing. I've been singing for as long as I can remember. But music is definitely like, it's a whole other side. They're all intertwined, but it's definitely like, I don't know. I like having multiple almost lives because it makes things more interesting. I get bored really easily. So I like to like switch it up, which is, you know, why I'm a (laughs) switch like I'm definitely a dominant person but for the right person love to let go and just be thrown around like a rag doll but that's not for everybody
0: (laughs) um yeah so you took a break from the adult entertainment industry didn't you for a couple years
2: Yeah, I, I, I kind of got a little burnt out. Honestly, I needed to take a big step back and find myself again, because I, I I realized that I was like, my sexuality was purely, it felt purely for other people at that point, like it wasn't mine anymore. And I needed to find, I needed to find my, my, my noni again, you know, like I had to get Figure out what she wanted, and just let her let her do her thing. And it and that was when I really started exploring music, which was very healing. Music is so healing. I mean, it's 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 a primal thing. We were singing before we were talking, you know. So that's why I, I love music so much. Like that's almost just a spiritual thing as well, in its own healing sense. But yeah, I've been working on a secret project for a while that I, I can't really talk about yet, but it's very, it's it's coming, it's coming. I'm actually going to be releasing some demos on SoundCloud pretty soon, ones that I won't be releasing with the new project, but are too good to just sit there.
0: We'll send people that way when that comes out, because I want our audience to hear you singing too. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's, it's all up on SoundCloud. Spotify, Apple Music, but a lot of the demos are going to be on SoundCloud.
0: So you took a break from the adult entertainment industry and you said it was to find your sexuality for you again because you felt like it was for other people. So was there a moment where you were like, oh, I figured it out, like I I feel better? Or was it just kind of like a realization that you had it for a couple months at that point?
2: It was a couple years, honestly, before I started. The first step was I started learning to dom. And it was because of Anana. I, it. That's why they're all linked. I was doing music. I had a weird dream. I discovered Anana, and then that was like because I had thought about doming for years. I just never did it um, professionally, like in session, not just as a performer. And Anana was what really gave me the push to be like, okay, cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna reach out to some old dear friends of mine. So I reached out to Domina Angelina, who was actually my first mistress back in the day when I was Kitty, And then she agreed to take me on as her mentee to be shown the ropes, so to speak. And then also I contacted is mistress Isabella Sinclair, and she's been an amazing, amazing mentor as well. Um, But yeah, that I like started getting into that. That made me like, cause at the time I was like, I don't want to be submissive. I was like so over being submissive. I was like, no, I don't mm, no, not at all. And <laughs> uh, not for anybody. So that was what really like helped me start to get back into things again. And then I met my I met my partner, Dietrich Kant, who is an artist. We are actually doing a a goddess complex project right now that highlights Anana and other goddesses but I met him and we just had like a really crazy connection and that was when I was like oh shit yeah this is what it's like because he was the first person that I had submitted for in many years so it was it was it was so beautiful and freeing and we just had this like crazy whirlwinds for like I mean, we're still in it, but yeah, it, it's, that was what really like made me go, okay, I think I'm, I'm ready to share that side of myself completely with the world again, because the sex is so fucking ridiculously good that I'm like, we've got to let people see this. <laughs> people should watch this. <laughs> we're always filming each other anyway. And like, you're like, I was looking at my phone one day, like, I just started OnlyFans. <laughs> I just post this. This is great. <laughs> but it's been it's been really, really, really amazing. And like this past couple of years, has been yeah. It's like opened so much more. And again, this is why it's so healing. Like BDSM, figuring yourself out. Like it all starts down here.
1: I don't want to be a dumb. I feel like I'd gain so much confidence.
2: <laughs> it, is really, it is. It is. It definitely will help. But I think you have to like, you have to kind of like, know you're kind of like kind of working your way up there. And then one, but once you have that first session where you're in control and it's just, yeah, you feel like a badass. It is. It's definitely an empowering thing.
1: So one thing that's always like kind of interested me about Dom work specifically, as opposed to other, you know, types of sex work is it seems like with Dom work, you don't need to advertise as much like people on OnlyFans constantly are having to promote it. But it seems like with being a dominatrix, it's almost as if people come to find you.
2: I, I would, I, I would agree with that. Actually. I think that, will find the dominant that is most appealing to them. And a a lot of submissives in my experience are very shy about approaching. Like I've had, uh, one of my regulars now, you know, it took him a year to message me because, you know, but it, (laughs) sorry, I'm just having a memory. Um, but (laughs) Oh, COVID's been crazy. I, I I really miss the dungeon. I haven't been sessioning as much lately. Sad. Just online, which is fun too, but you know, not the same.
1: We, we all know the online world is not the same.
2: It's not the same.
1: For like every aspect of life.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been wild.
1: I'm curious in how people go about joining the Dom Collective, especially under Mistress Sinclair. But before you answer, I want to tell you how I think it should be. So I think that you should get a black velvet envelope with calligraphy pen detailing you are invited, or you, no, not invited, you are summoned to at some point in the contract to agree to join there's a drop of blood involved I don't think that's what it's like but Mr. Sinclair if you're listening please consider it I think it'd be really cool
2: that would be really cool. I like that idea. I like the formality of it
1: like it would have a wax stamp be delivered by I don't know crow but that's probably not how it is so what how do you join a Dom collective
2: well I feel like there's no there's no like one way. To, to join but I, I met Isabella at a adult convention at Exotica. I, I had admired her. we never met before and we kind of were just thrown into this like, okay, we're going to do a stage show together and I'm going to be a cat. And you're going to whip me on the stage and then I'm going to put milk all over me. And it was kind of like an improvised thing. But ever since then, you know, I just really like she's so inspiring. So when I decided that I was going to start doming, she was one of the first people that I approached to just be like, do you have any advice or anything? And she took me into a, a session, a few sessions with her and just kind of walked me through things. But there wasn't like a ceremony or anything. Maybe there should be. Isabella, I think that you should have ceremonies in your new manor house.
1: Yes. Oh, I've been seeing her renovations <laughs> on that manor house. Insane. I oh, it looks so also good. I was in a sorority in college, so if you need any weird initiation ideas, I got you. Because I just oh. I feel like joining the Dom Collective should be a bigger deal than joining a sorority. But that's just me. So, I like it. So, moving on. <laughs> um, you were talking about conventions like Exotica and we stalked your website and you said that you've won multiple Triple X awards. How do you go about winning Triple X awards? First of all.
2: Well, first you just got to make a fuck ton of porn with really good companies. Just, you know, be as slutty as you can be, and then you might get nominated at like AVN or Xbiz or the two like biggest ones. Uh, Pornhub has its own awards now, and then yeah, I my awards I won Female Performer of the Year for Urban X the Urban X Awards, and I won a few Xbiz awards, Best Supporting Actress, and. For AVN, my two awards were Best Oral Sex Scene and Best Double Penetration Sex Scene. And they were both from one of my movies, one of my uh, feature movies, for Elegant Angel. And those were very fun days. And the kitty, uh, the, the oral sex scene was really, really fun because it was all my idea. I wanted to be a kitty and do like a blow bang. And then they all come in a, in a bowl and I laugh it up like a kitty, you know. That's it too. I'm kind of a cat lady, so. but yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's weird because it's like these award shows is just who is the absolute sluttiest. <laughs> Everyone's trying to out slut each other. I just think it's really funny.
1: <laughs> so, so it's not like best. I don't know angles, picture quality, like staging. It's just who's the sluttiest.
2: Pretty much. I mean, there's best picture. There's best. There's definitely like, you know, other awards that aren't so much sex act related, but I think that everyone just wants to know what the sex act related ones are. You know, there's like best performer, performer of the year. There's best new starlet at ABN. So it's all the like newbie girls that are in. But for the most part, the fun awards are like, who is the best girl, girl scene? Who is the best orgy scene? I don't know. It's been a while since I went to an award show.
1: You give an acceptance speech. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say in an, in an acceptance speech for the porn award? Do you think the academy or.
2: <laughs> I mean, I guess people will thank usually the person that they worked with, you know, the usual kind of stuff. I think the most famous one was Asa Akira's speech when she was like, and I don't want to thank my asshole. That was a memorable one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: sorry if I'm just hung up on that it's just I'm imagining like if you were to just take out the categories and it was just people announcing awards and then accepting awards like is it pretty much just the Oscars but more lit like
2: definitely everyone's a lot more friendly but it's it's a it's a wild experience. If you've never been to the AVN Awards show, you should uh you should check it out. It'd be fun. They have like convention days and the, the days leading up to the actual awards and and it's kind of nuts because it's like the entire porn industry will take over a casino and you're just like it's it's just a wild whirlwind of an experience. I think my first AVN was what made me go Okay, I want to do porn. This is fun. <laughs> this is really fun. Everyone's friendly, you know, having a good time.
1: We fully plan on going to the AVNs, and luckily we have some guests who are willing to show us around. Because I think Shelby and I just aimlessly wandering around the AVNs <laughs> probably
2: probably wouldn't go super well. So it's good to have a have a guide. But that'll be fun. I'm excited for you. So, yeah,
1: I basically just need a mommy to show me around. So anyways, back to the interview.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You were talking about being a cat lady. And one of our producers, the one who emailed you, Kit, was like, oh, yeah, she has three cats and three snakes. And I am just curious about how those animals like live together.
2: Well, the snakes and and the cats don't really. It's actually four cats now. Um <laughs> the the snakes and the cats don't really mix that much. They're definitely afraid of each other, so I don't like let them the snakes live in their tank unless I have them out or I'm feeding them or whatever. And I always supervise because the cats are curious, you know, so they might want to like paw, but the snakes are terrified. So <laughs> they're little snakes. There's I have two corn snakes and a king snake. So they're not like ball pythons if I had bigger snakes it would be the other way around and I'd be more worried about the snakes eating a cat which uh is is a, re- a, a reality there
0: <laughs> yeah that's what I was curious about because like I feel like depending on the size one is definitely going to be the predator to the other you know so mm-hmm. that I it, think it, it, an interesting house dynamic to have <laughs>
1: Have you ever used one of your snakes in a session?
2: I have terrorized a slave with my snakes.
1: I knew it.
2: (laughs) I felt a little bad after. (laughs) Because I was really scared. But, um, no, they're so small. So it's not, and they don't really bite or anything. They're just like, they're just trying to crawl away so they can go and go hide somewhere. That's their deal. But yeah, it's it's definitely it can be a, a fun tool to terrorize. <laughs> I, for me, I I just I'm not afraid of snakes and lizards and stuff. So it it kind of it makes me laugh when when people are really scared of like really small snakes because I'm like it's so small it's like not even gonna it's not even gonna do anything and it feels really cool. Have you ever held snakes? I have. They feel really cool and they compress. So, like, if you're in, if you're uh, submissive and you're into compression, like vet wrap or something, snakes would be fun because they like, you probably, they probably like snakes because they like wrap themselves around your arms and like kind of lightly squeeze. And it feels really nice. Like, I, I, I really like, I really like it. But, you know, just, yeah. I do this to myself quite a lot.
1: Like, that sounds like something. I could be interested in. Yeah. I've never thought of doing like compressions and everything, but I've always wanted to be in a vacuum bed, which I've been very vocal about. Somebody please put me in your vacuum bed. So.
2: I need a vac bed, actually. That's been on my list for a bit. I've never been in one either, but they look really fun.
1: Yeah, before before I guess COVID hit back in March, Shelby and I were going to go to this. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a sex party, but it was like a party where people can have sex in a dungeon. And I was like, I just want to go get put in the vacuum bed and leave. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, a pipe dream of mine.
2: <laughs> I'm all for it. I, I'm rooting for you. Eventually, once this COVID stuff calms down, you're going to be in a back bed. Maybe at AVN. Maybe someone will have a back bed at AVN you'll just be like oh, just, night, and find yourself in one that'd be fun
1: i can't wait to like submit a vacation request through my work and they're like reason for vacation i'll be like going to avn
2: duh <laughs> yeah that's fun you'll have a lot of fun i'm pretty sure there's fetish, there's a lot of fetish parties and stuff that happen too
0: was there a point where you discovered Dom work? Cause I don't think I was very familiar with exactly what dominatrices did or anything beyond like what you would see in popular media. So like, what was your introduction to the profession?
2: That's a good question. I
0: don't
2: know. Uh, you probably, you know what? So, uh, there was this magazine that I used to be obsessed with back in the day. Um, it doesn't even exist anymore. It's called bizarre magazine. And in the days before the internet, when you could just look up any fucking thing, you know, we have magazines and, (laughs) and I learned a lot from this particular magazine. That was how I discovered that, you know, there could be like really hot tattooed beauties and latex and I fell in love with this model called Bianca Bouchamp, uh, who's a French Canadian. She looks like Jessica Rabbit. So I fell in love with her because I love Jessica Rabbit. And, you know, she would wear latex and like, and so that was, I guess that was my first exposure to seeing fetish, fetish themes. I I don't think I ever had like a Eureka moment with it. It was just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. People beat people up. Yeah, (laughs) it was just like a, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I that's a good question. I'm trying to think. I Think I ever had like, uh, like, there just were doc, uh, dominatrixes, and that was all right with the world. What's the weirdest request you've ever gotten? Hmm. The
1: weirdest. You can also give me like top three. Whatever's coming to your mind right now. I feel like every time I ask this question, everyone's like wow I need to think of all the weird shit I've done so take your time.
2: maybe I'll like I'll like think about it and we can like talk about something else and then like we'll come back to it because I definitely have some weird do you mean like specifically like dom sessions or just in general
1: Well, I feel like you've done so many different things. Just saying Dom work, I feel like limits you too much. (laughs) So my favorite part of these interviews is just hearing stories and just hearing about things that I couldn't have even imagined. Mm -hmm. So strange request, And of course, it's never in a way to kink shame anybody, unless that happens to be their fetish. Been learning a lot on this show. Before I got involved with Candy Girl, I was like, Wow, foot stuff is so weird. And now when I hear foot stuff, I'm like, okay, but like tell me weird shit.
2: I've had None of I it. fuck my hair. Like, how does wrap that work hair around the penis and then just like like this? That's pretty weird. A really unique one too, I think. <laughs> I don't hear that one very often.
0: Yeah, what did that feel like?
2: I mean, for me, it just kind of felt like my hair was getting pulled, (laughs) which it was. I mean, he enjoyed it. I I remember asking him where he like, like, where, how did that one start? And I think he just like did it once with a girlfriend and liked it. But cool. Sure.
0: When we interviewed Mistress Helena, she was telling us about I'm probably going to butcher this story, but she had a client who wanted this scene where she was this queen of another planet and she came down and kidnapped him and took him to her planet and then either shrank him or he was already really small and ate him. And then most of the video, yeah, was her like describing him going through her digestive tract. And I remember telling that to a friend recently and they're like, you're literally the only person I know who would ever bring something like that up. And I was like, there's not even half of the stuff that we hear on this show.
2: Yeah, that's, I forget what fetish that's called, but it's it's like the fetish of being tiny and being eaten by a giant woman. I think, Goal I want to say it's called gore.
0: Goal. Gore. Like some James and the Giant Peach type fetish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, it's not, it's not called gore. But <laughs> we'll come back to this. I'll figure
2: it out. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other weird, weird things. Vor, vor, vor,
1: vor. That's what it's called. The fetish of vorarophilia is being eaten for sexual pleasure, but they nicknamed it vor.
2: So, yeah, it's actually a little more common than I think people would even believe. Cause I've done a few like videos where I was like smashing up a tiny, like an army of tiny men, and that was a fun, interesting day. And then I remember some of my old adult agents used to get this email from the same guy, and he would just talk about how he wanted to like, he wanted to be cooked, and he would describe exactly how, and then he wanted to be like ingested. And it's just very interesting. Like I, I, it's, it's like, like, how does that start? That's what that's why I love fetishes because they're so interesting. They really tap into your psyche, you know? Like how, yeah. how did that one start?
1: Yeah, have you ever like felt like you've uncovered or do you have any theories for certain fetishes and why they would start?
2: Sometimes they're so random that it's like, I don't know. It's like, it must be like something early on and um, maybe something that you don't even remember because it was so early on. Yeah. And then other things it's like how ASMR, like, like there's something about it that you just can't stop watching because it like, it, it triggers, it triggers that area in your brain that, the reward receptors and you like you know you just get immense satisfaction by just a, a sensation that maybe isn't anything to do with sexuality sex the actual act of sex like latex is like that you know it's a very sensual feeling and it can be sexual but it doesn't need to be it can be both but i i'm, I'm going off on a tangent now <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that, that's what we're here for have there ever been any requests that you've turned down
2: um yeah for sure like I I'm not really into the gross stuff pee is one thing but I'm not down for for anything else
1: Human toilet? That's one that always surprises me.
2: I just, it's not, I mean, it, you do you if that's what you're into. I just, I i i have a hypersensitive sense of smell and, like, I just, and also, like, I don't think I'd be able to. I feel like I would get poop shy and I, like, wouldn't be able to do it.
1: There's no way I could. So, I can not even poop in front of my friends. More or less on a person, so...
2: It's not my thing. It's not my thing. No, no, no shame. Anyone who likes it and who anyone who does, who does partake. It's just not for me. It's not for me. P is fine. That's fine.
0: Are you familiar with the Hindu goddess Kali?
2: Oh, yes, of course.
0: You earlier Uh, talking about how you you did a scene where you were like crushing men totally reminded me of the story of her going through and like crushing all the men when she was summoned.
2: She's, she's awesome. She's definitely going to be involved in this goddess project that I'm doing with my partner. So the first part of the project is all about Inanna. And I'm, I, um, I've actually posted some photos. Uh, we have a Patreon. So like the first set of it is live, but we're kind of telling the story of the goddesses. And then it starts off, I'm being born out of an egg. And that's like the birth of Inanna. And my snakes are in the photos. It's going to like follow the story. And then she'll end up at the end giving birth to a new egg, and that's going to be the new goddess to kind of symbolize that they're all connected. Like a lot of these goddesses are, you know, they were in, they were inspired inspiring each other or not, or it's weird how similar some are, even though they're like miles apart. But yeah, Kali's definitely going to be in there because she's she's a badass. We're just going to highlight all the badass, all the most badass gods and goddesses. I think.
0: What's your Patreon, one, for our guests, but two, because I am so interested in this. I want to see this so badly.
2: It's uh, Patreon, the Goddess Complex.
0: I'm literally on the website right now.
2: Amazing. <laughs> I do have links for it as well on, like, my Instagram, all my my social media pages. So then... One thing
1: I've just always been curious about, but I don't think we've focused about enough, and this kind of goes back to sex worker safety. Mm-hmm. How do you or I guess any dominatrix determine who y'all get to actually meet and who gets left online? I mean, it seems obviously y'all are bad bitches, but I imagine it would be intimidating to meet up with a stranger in such an intimate way.
2: hmm well, usually, I mean, with uh, when it comes to in person clients that you've never met before, <clears throat> well, first, I have them fill out a, a, a relatively lengthy questionnaire that kind of weeds out any time wasters and people that like can't read or are annoying and stupid. Then um, it's good to get contact information. There are certain apps where you can double check people are who they say they are. Um, Mr. Number is one. I think it's important for what, what I do when I'm meeting someone I have never met before is I meet them in a public place first. Like I'll have them take me shopping or take me out to a restaurant, a fancy fucking restaurant. That way you can also see how capable they are. And you're in a very public place with cameras and all sorts of things. So that will again weed out shitty people. For the most part, though, I definitely follow my gut. Like if I have a weird feeling about someone, I just don't. Uh, I think that's very, very important. A lot of a, a lot of people don't listen to their gut instincts. I am fucking guilty of it myself sometimes, and I always regret it. But yeah, if you have a bad feeling about something, just make an excuse. You're the one that's in control. So you call the shots anyway. And don't let anyone bully you into anything otherwise. If you're uncomfortable, you fucking let them know. Or don't, you know, just disappear if they're weird. Fuck them. (laughs) At the end of the day, you just have to, you know, look out for number one. Like, if you have weird feelings, like, make sure, like, if... I'm meeting someone, sometimes I'll I'll give my partner their contact information. Uh, If if you don't hear from me at this time, then you know, call me or whatever, something's wrong. That never really happens. But it's just a good precaution to take. You know, just cover all your bases. If any if God forbid something did go wrong, then at least you have all the information that you would need. I also have new clients and old clients. Uh, give me a deposit, also have a link to them online as a person, you know, like PayPal, you know, those kind of apps, like you have to put your information. So there you go. We got it.
1: I love that. Yeah, recently, we've been trying to figure out advice that we can give to our listeners, any potential doms of how to stay safe. But going off of that, do you have any advice for any Aspiring dominatrixes,
2: I would advise to try to find uh, a dominatrix that you admire and look up to, and maybe ask if she would like to, if she'd be willing to mentor, or if she could even just, you know, not everyone is prepared to mentor. It is, it 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 can be some responsibility, but even just asking questions is great. Like, go to um, there's also uh, forums where you can talk to people, share stories. I like using FetLife. Um, There's a lot of forums and groups on there and then you can kind of chat with people. And yeah, I I feel like if you're trying to get into doming, but you're, you're just kind of, you're, you've never really experienced much of the fetish scene. I would highly recommend, I mean, it's hard now because of fucking everything, but, Fetish parties are a great way to mingle and network and get and, you know, start to learn your shit. I think that it's important to play off like n- not in a professional sense a lot, you know, so you know what you're doing as well. You don't want to just be faking it, you know, like. I, I, Authenticity is very important in the world of in the world of BDSM, and I think it's easier to tell when someone's not really there or just doing it for, for the money or something.
1: Final question. I ask this to every dom that we interview. Is there LaCroix in the dungeon that you work out of or any type of sparkling water?
2: Um, I actually don't drink sparkling water that often, but there is not LaCroix in the dungeon that I work out of. Just regular water. It's
1: 50-50. Man, I just... Some dungeons have LaCroix and sparkling water. Some don't. I just think it's so funny that there are connections, or I guess similarities, between tech offices and dungeons. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm more surprised
0: when people say no. So. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't even say it's 50-50, I think. Out of out of every dominatrix we've interviewed, you and then one other are the only two who haven't had uh, sparkling water <laughs> in their dungeon.
2: I mean, I have, but I don't regularly. It's not like a thing, but I'm sure I've drank a sparkling water at some point in a dungeon. I don't think so. There's been a lot I mean, of dungeons.
1: <laughs> a lot of dungeons. Wait, wait, what what does a dungeon have to be to be a good dungeon? Like what's a good dungeon versus like mid-tier dungeon? A
2: fucking clean dungeon. I love meticulously clean spaces. When it, Especially when it comes to like dungeons. Because, you know, there's a lot of shit that goes on in those places. If if it's a good place. And, you know, you, you want to make sure that you can be as depraved and disgusting as you can in a very clean environment you know start off clean or and then get dirty and then you know there you go that's that's my one thing i just really like everything to be clean and organized isabella sinclair's uh space ivy manor is very clean and organized and i really like it for that reason um but it's also a really fun space because all of their every room has a different theme so you can kind of choose which which vibe you want to go with or if you want to do like a medical theme or more of a relaxed lounging space yeah i can't wait
1: to visit a dungeon i just want to know how it smells so (laughs)
2: leather and cleaning products
1: (laughs) that's what i've heard so i can't wait to do our episode where we just stand in a dungeon and describe everything
0: around us well that's all of the questions i have for you do you have anything else emily no. Madam Skin, this was an amazing interview. Thank you so much for talking with us. I feel like we got to learn so much and also I loved all of the conversation about goddesses. That was so cool.
2: Thank you. I'm so glad you're excited. It was so good meeting you guys. You're really awesome.
0: Thank you. Um do you have any websites or socials that you want us to plug so that our listeners can find you easier?
2: Of course. I have, um, well, there's my main website, raylandjoy.com, which has all of my music. And then I also have metamskin.net, which has more information of how to serve me. And then I also have social media. Usually uh, on Instagram is Rayjoycat. I have all my links to my OnlyFans and my premium Snapchat and all that kind of stuff. So we can chat. And I think that's it.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Well, if you guys are listening and you want to find us, we're at Candy Girl Podcast on Instagram, at Candy Girl Pod on Twitter. You can email us if you have any questions for Madam Skin or for anyone else on the show at CandyGirlPodcastOutlook.com or we have a website now, CandyGirlPodcast.com. And the song that's playing us out right now is by Madam Skin, a.k.a. Rayland Joy. If that's where you want to find her on Spotify, you absolutely should check her out. And we will hear from you guys next Friday.
2: Give me